WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote, and uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. Uh, last week was a fairly big comics news week, especially at a DC. Uh, so to help dissect it, we assembled the finest comics minds we could find available last minute on a Monday night. Uh, going around the horn first, uh, we've got our co-host, WMQ Comics resident Batmanologist, uh, Matt Lazowitz. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Matt, you know him from his Wednesday Warriors column, and the first time he came on the podcast last year, it was to ask whether DC had too many imprints. Uh, it's Will Nevin. Hello, lovely people. And finally, our last panelist is a longtime first time and one half of the DC Super Sons podcast. Please welcome Dan McMahon. Howdy, everyone. There was a line in the script here that says, Will makes double, dumb double dance joke, and I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> and now you had to make it. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for uh, for coming aboard. And, uh, Leah, let's just get started with the big news of, uh, of last week. DC on Friday revealed it is restructuring all its publishing under three central lines, DC Kids, DC, and DC Black Label, or as I've been calling them, Bud Light, Budweiser, and Budweiser Select. Uh, it launched just last year, will be resorted under Kids and DC as appropriate, and Vertigo will be Sunset, that's the word they're using, uh, be put out of its misery, old yellered, uh, you know, however you want to define it, uh, at the end of this year. Uh, so I guess the first question, how do we feel about all of this? Uh, Dan, why don't we start with you? So I have a lot of positive thoughts, um, especially coming from a business background. Um, having everything solidified under just DC makes a lot more sense business-wise. Um, it sucks to see Vertigo go because those were the books when I was growing up. I was like, oh, these are different and edgy. But now that um, now that I'm an adult, it's like, uh, I can see why they're doing it all. Uh, but I was just super excited when all the announcements came out that they weren't dropping ink in Zoom and that they were consolidating it and just doubling down with like a ton of new titles. Um, because accessibility is huge for me for comics and having a bunch of um, teens and kids books is like the best possible route they could go. Yeah, the the interesting thing where, you know, DC's been making their major announcements has been at book shows, not so much traditional Comic-Cons, like BookCon was a big one for them. And then this past weekend was the American Library Association. And that's where they announced like a new of, I guess, what would have been Ink and Zoom uh, OGNs uh, just a few weeks ago. Now, uh, DC Kids, or uh, how is it? Those, the, the young adult ones are, are kind of still falling under the DC banner, right? They've kind of yes. separated them out that way. Yes. Uh, the Zoom, which was the younger readers, are going to be under DC Kids. And Ink, which was the YA stuff, is going to be under DC. Okay. That was the one thing I was never able to get straight, which one was which. So I, I guess that helps. <laughs> I'm 99% sure anyway. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Dan, you bring up the excellent point that for, you know, our, our generation, uh, us fogies, you know, Vertigo was kind of everyone's everyone in comics' goth phase, <laughs> so to speak. It's 
interesting when you go back and you look at the very beginnings of Vertigo. Vertigo was exact. It was a horror line. I mean, the the first Vertigo titles, the titles that jumped over from the mainstream DCU suggested for mature readers stuff were all pretty much horror. Sandman, Hellblazer, Shade, and Doom Patrol. I mean, Doom Patrol was superhero-y, but it was it was dark and weird and twisted. Mm-hmm. It's it, Vertigo changed a lot over the years, and I think people who associate, you know, the the mid-tier Vertigo stuff, your your Transmet, uh, your 100 Bullets, uh, not necessarily forget, but might not have been there when Vertigo was just this, you know, su- the sophisticated suspense imprint. Oh, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing was the other one that came right over and right. was most assuredly a horror book. And and just to, to, to show how much things have changed, uh, one of the uh, DC Kids books announced at ALA this weekend was Johnny Constantine. <laughs> he has got, John Constantine has gone full Wu Tang. He is now for the children. Well, well, you know the short-lived but vastly underrated Justice League action, the fifteen-minute short format uh, Cartoon Network series that they aired at seven a.m. on Saturday mornings, so no one who didn't set their DVR to catch it ever saw it which was a, a Justice League cartoon, featured Constantine pretty regularly, which was very strange. Not bad, just an odd choice. Um, that show was incredible. Um, and Mark Hamill played himself and the Joker in an episode? Himself? Well, he That entire episode, there were four characters. He voiced all four. <laughs> it was... He was himself, he was the Joker, he was the trickster, and he was Swamp Thing. It was incredible. Yeah, him voicing Swamp Thing was so cool. <laughs> ah. Uh Will, we haven't heard from you yet. What is your what is your take on Vertigo Vertigoing? <laughs> oh, I like that. That's very good. Um in many ways it's it's it, it's kind of time. Um I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but sure. it's it has died a death. Uh, by a thousand cuts with failed relaunch after failed relaunch uh, the past one just coming you know uh, seemed like just a few months ago um, and I figure they they just finally gave up on it uh, and, and it is a shame it is a shame for all the legacy titles and even uh, the titles that they're still pun- uh, publishing uh, American uh, Carnage is fantastic oh it's phenomenal I know right um but I think we need to consider this. Vertigo is very much uh, a, a creature of its moment. So Vertigo is launched the year after Image mm-hmm. uh, in 1992. And, and, and you know, in 1993, um, it, it's hard to say that Image is going to be the success that it's going to be. But DC can look at the industry and say, hey, um, not only are maybe creator-owned works sort of the wave of the future, but uh, we would like to get out from under this uh, daggum comics code thing. Um, and now Image is a bona fide uh, success. Uh, there are any number of publishers doing the same thing that Image is doing uh, to varying degrees of success. And 
the comics code is the thing we, you know, clown on. So, uh, in many ways, it, it, it was time. Um, but again, that doesn't make it any less sad. And the thing that really confuses me going forward, this would seem like a logical place for DC to get out of the creator-owned business. Mm-hmm. And yet, everything that I have seen suggests that they are going to stay in it. So, are you going to have creator-owned works? And uh, uh, you know, Scott Snyder, like he he uh, he tweeted about this. Like, American Vampire, the next volume of that is just going to launch with just like a, a regular, I, I guess, a black label label. Um, and that just that just seems profoundly weird to me. It's like there should be a clear signpost for new readers. Um, anybody looking to pick up a title from DC that says this is the universe where we play with capes and tights and superpowers and this is a separate and distinct universe where you can find anything else and so from that perspective it is it is very confusing but again I understand it I mean you're not going to turn away Jinx World because you're you know getting rid of imprints i suppose although you might want to say say hey bendis you know you think you can curate quote unquote curate our creator owned imprint you won't really do it we'll have editorial handle that <laughs> you just put your name on the imprint and publish all the creator owned stuff under a jinx world banner as a completely separate thing i mean that would certainly make sense but that definitely does not uh, doesn't have the same cachet and, and brand loyalty and just gravitas that that uh, you know vertigo does um, and it, it's kind of unfortunate um, you know the only thing that black label is really known for now is bat peens uh, <laughs> oh oh and wait we're still you know only a week out from Superman Year One, it we're, it will soon be known for the mind controlling Super Baby as well. Oh no! <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting over here. I was like, wait, has there been anything under Black Label that wasn't Batman? And then you mentioned uh, the American Vampire, and then Frank Miller's Superman. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. Uh, go and curl up under my bed and cry for a minute, excuse me. And, and so, not only that, well, first of all, we're all forgetting, well, yeah, Batman White Knight falls under falls under Batman. We'll gloss yeah, over that. But in it, September it, or October... Yeah. In uh, September or October, we're getting two Black Label books that are both the origin stories of Harley Quinn. And yet we can't get John Ridley's other history of the DC Universe. Yes, yeah. it, I was just about to... Yeah, what the fuck? Um... <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or Greg Rooka's Wonder Woman book that was announced that was supposed to be part of the initial rollout. Mm. I forgot about that. Yeah, there were two uh, Wonder Woman books that they announced, wasn't there? There was there was like it was like a history of the Amazons, and then um, the uh, what future the doing? The Diana's daughter from Rooka. Yeah, the history That's of the it. Amazons. I don't remember who the creator on that was. I think it was Deconic. But, oh, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. But uh, you know. The other side of the, uh, or the other, uh, whatever the other history DC book is named, I can't spit it out correctly. The other uh, history of the DC universe. Yeah, uh, I think I re- uh, remarked um, probably last week. Um, 
is a canceled book still canceled if we don't announce that it's canceled? Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't have uh, high hopes for that whenever we're seeing the light of day. Uh, but just just to go back to the point that I was kind of making, um, you they are just not launching this black label brand off to a really really strong start. This, I mean, unless you're an edge lord. Yeah, sure, it's got some titles, but if you're looking for the same quality that Vertigo represented, sure. Woof. Woof. <laughs> I mean, it's it hasn't even had I mean, Max launched with some pretty terrifyingly not good books with US War Machine and uh Garth Ennis's racist Nick Fury, but at least it had alias. Uh, th- there hasn't been an alias out of Black Label yet. There hasn't been that one diamond in the rough. I, you know, kind of look. getting back to Will's point about creator-owned and it getting confusing, you know, I think the interesting thing is that, you know, we went right to American Vampire. I almost wonder if, D- if Black Label, the creator-owned side of Black Label is effectively going to be what Marvel's epic line had become. A thing that exists solely to let its big-name writers do scratch their indie itch in-house, if that makes sense. You know, so like a clearinghouse for, as you said, Matt, Jinx World, American Vampire, um, I don't know, something that'll keep Tom King happy after they dicked him over with Batman Catwoman. You know, stuff like that. Young animals, yes. Yeah, young animal. That's another good What's example. What's the deal with that? Did they announce if that's being absorbed or that that will survive? Jim Lee tweeted that, and oh I gosh. think you know part of the pop up aspect is that it's going to come and go, as we've already seen mm-hmm. the last couple of years. All I know is that if they didn't publish that N.K. Jemison Green Lantern book, heads would roll. Oh, absolutely. Even just that cover, I'm like going to be waiting outside the store. That is the first comic in 13 years that my wife has actually been interested in reading. She's not read a comic in our entire 13-year relationship, but she loves N.K. Jemisin and wants to read that. So it was like, you better publish that damn book. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And and yeah, the, the double Harley Quinn origins... That's not. Uh, that's gonna be something else. I mean, it's. I want if they're gonna do Black Label, I want them to do to take a chance. If you're gonna be doing this as your mature readers adult line, it. I. It's so oh, I'm stumbling over myself and trying to come up with a proper analogy, but it reminds me of. The, the way Warner does the DC direct-to-DVD movies, most of which I love, don't get me wrong, but it's, okay, we're going to do two Batman, then a Justice League, two Batman, then a Superman, two Batman, then another Justice League. It's like, yeah, but, you know, somebody, you know, you might be able to do a really cool adaptation of the Legion of Superheroes Great Darkness saga or something Aquaman. I, I'd like to see them and maybe it's they're not getting the proposals to do something outside of Batman and Harley and sure Frank Miller you can do your version of Superman yeah but I want 
more out of the DC mature label than just, you know, bat penis. I, you know, I, I think that DC is not in a position where DC is taking chances right now is on the pub, the publishing side where, you know, it's on the expanding into the book market side. It's on the young reader graphic novel side. I, I, I think it's really otherwise trying to pl- play it safe. I think Black Label is just about having your cake and eating it too. We're going to do mature reader stuff, but we're going to do it with these characters. You know, we're going to do it with the old familiar. Uh, you know what I mean? Batman. The, the, Vertigo, the Vertigo line that they announced last year took a lot of chances and did pay off. I mean, we can all, you know, we can talk about how American Carnage is is great, but the problem is I want I worry that people outside, you know, outside this uh conversation aren't really saying that. And then you had another book that got kill, killed because the writer turned out to be a sex monster. That's probably not the right piece of shit. That's the right term. Thank you. Yeah. It was it was like that Vertigo relaunch was like I Hex Wives and border town were like books i really liked and then all that stuff and i was like ah oh, fuck this yeah i i, I did like hex wives there, there wasn't anything bad about hex wives was there other than it just no, ended? No, no, no 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 okay good we're good we're good good i was like but the, the thrilling adventure hour i can't stop enjoying the thrilling adventure hour please don't hurt my soul no 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 no, 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 no. matt see what happened to, i don't know if you heard about what mirka and dolfo did to that baby i am kidding that's not a thing um <laughs> Go go go! Read unnatural from image. Uh, but uh, what, what, yeah, but then there was the whole second coming debacle, you know, where Fox News got wind of it, and then you know, I mean, granted that was more the creators asking to pull their comic, uh, and I think it landed at a place that it should have been from the beginning at Ahoy, you know, and then um, what was the other one that just got? Oh, uh, safe sex. Safe sex. Yeah, uh, which. You know, I don't know the full story of what happened there, but clearly somebody saw the change in the window and was like, uh, let's let's go to over to Image. <laughs> we, we can do that there with no problem. It sounds like those types of things scare DC, like uh, the Bat Dick. Mm-hmm. Like they, they doubled down and like all the reprints removed it and they just, um, any type of controversy, it just seems like they shy away from instead of leaning into now. Yeah. Which is... I guess a business move, but I don't know. Like it's just a dick. Like, you know what though? It's a it's a business move when you're trying to get that rate of Telgemeier money. You know what I'm saying? Mm. When you're when you're trying to be on on bookshelves next to Dogman, that that that's your business move. Stay away from the penis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what was the last truly successful Vertigo title? I mean, the unwritten. Are we really going that far back for something out of Vertigo that lasted more than a year and a half? Um, what's, Fable? what's the last Vertigo book that that was a miniseries? Clean Room, which lasted a year and a half. Wasn't wasn't uh, Deathbed a Vertigo joint? Yes, but it was a six issue mini, and nobody read it but me. Okay. <laughs> Unfollowed? Did that have two volumes? That might have. That might have. 
that might have lasted a whole year. But yeah, it's oh uh, yeah. Well, according to our friend Wikipedia, it published <laughs> from 2015 to 2017, so that had to be at least a year and a half. I mean, so unless both, issues were delayed. Right. Both it and uh, Gail Simone's Clean Room rolled out at the same time, so they both lasted about 18 issues. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean. You know, but I mean, in the meantime, it's it's the Vertigo aesthetic is so widespread now because all of their old editors have gone to other publishers. So, you know, you can find Vertigo books at Dark Horse. You can find them at IDW. You can find them at Image. You can find them at Ahoy. Yeah, um, I, I kind of like the the it sucks that there's more widespread around the market, but I kind of like that because then you can find stuff that is for you. Absolutely. The, the, the one problem we have, though, is that I don't think we had that one publisher. And maybe Vertigo was never this, or maybe they were this at their, their heyday, as it were. There doesn't seem to be a publisher right now that you could absolutely trust. Like, I, I can't say, oh, I'm going to pick up, you know, X publisher's book. It's, it's a new book. I know it's going to be good. Um, I just don't think there's anybody that is quite as carefully uh, curating their books uh, as perhaps Vertigo did. Um, just, just to, I'll, I'll name names, right? Sure. Because uh, that's what I do. Um, <laughs> Aftershock. Aftershock does a lot of good stuff, um, but their quality is hit and miss from book to book, right? Absolutely. I, so, um, so I wonder if, if we really aren't losing something with historically what Vertigo was. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's much to say to that other than a, you know, nod of the head or a shake of the head. And, you know, I mean, there was a good period there where Vertigo could not miss. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of. I mean, I, I can't say there's anything that's come out of Ahoy that I haven't liked, but they only do three or four books at a time. They're not a you know, they're not pushing the you know, let's hit a and they have a very a very specific aesthetic. Yes, that's how I feel about TKO. It's like they only publish those four books, but all four books were pretty good. Um, and they do that in waves. So, I mean, and I, I mean, Karen Berger's Dark Horse imprint. I've read a handful of them, and they've been enjoyable. But I, I, I haven't picked up enough of them to be like, sure, this is, you know, the the mark of, you know, everything she's going to do is going to be that early that that Vertigo heyday feel to it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, I guess as we kind of, the, as the last drops of, of champagne leave the bottle and, and, and hit the curb, you know, what's, what's one series that, that you can point to that, you know, is like peak vertigo to you, or maybe it's just the vertigo title that left the biggest impression on you? Sandman. Uh, it, it's, I mean... It's an oldie but a goodie. It's 
you know, cliche to be like Sandman is that book. But and I mean, I also accept that there are bits and pieces of Sandman that have not aged as well. Uh, a game of you very specifically does not age as well as something like Season of Mists or Brief Flies does. But Sandman was something I had never read anything like that before when I picked that up the summer in between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. And Gaiman, to this day, is one of, if not my favorite authors, and I would not have gotten to that if it wasn't for Sandman. And since I already mentioned her once, um, I met my wife because we were introduced by someone who said, oh, you both like Neil Gaiman. You should meet my friend Amber. So I also owe Sandman meeting my wife. So I, I got to give it some props there. Uh, Sandman as well for me, but Sandman Mystery Theater. Mm. Um, yes. I, I think that was the first one I picked up in. Like, they were all out by the time I was old enough to buy comics. Um, so I got the first volume at my store and then I really was like, oh wait, I like detective stories. This shit's awesome. And for some reason, my whole life, I've just really loved the idea of a look of a gas mask and Wesley Dodds kills it. So like, that'll be the vertigo title. I go back to, like, I just bought the newest volume last week and just like, those are books that I always will be proud to reread. Nice. So... I am persistently online, uh, on Twitter. I did not see anybody mention this series. So I'm going to be a little bit contrarian, and I'm going to go with uh, a more modern Vertigo book. Uh, In uh, their relaunch from, I guess it was about two years ago now, there was a miniseries called Jacked, and I absolutely loved it. I just picked up that trade at a con. It's Eric Kripke, right? Yeah, and it is it is such such a good book. The, the, this idea that a regular schmo uh, starts taking these uh, these super vitamins that give him like uh, uh, superpowers, and it's it's very like realistic and um, just de- deals with like aging and and kind of an examination of uh, superhero tropes and. It was just a really, really good, solid, fun read uh, that I don't think enough people have, have read or talking or or are talking about now. So that's my pick. Very nice. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Transmet. You know, uh, I guess part of it is 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 you know decades of, of working in journalism. Part of it is is just being a light you know loving Warren Ellis ever since uh, he wrote Excalibur. Um, that book just always struck a chord uh, for me because it was, you know, crazy, futuristic, you know, uh, sex puppets and bowel disruptors and uh, those funky, funky glasses, red and green glasses. <laughs> I think I still have my Spider-Jerusalem action figure uh, on one of my shelves. I'm not looking. Yeah, yes, you got it for me, Matt. <laughs> I did indeed. That was a Christmas present many moons ago. Yes, yes. Uh, so that that's that's my pick. But uh, you know, while all these publishers are, are kind of 
growing and changing and entering the market and, and trying to figure out what the one big disruption is going to be that's going to you know, save comics uh, this time. Marvel, uh, on the other hand, has just decided, well, these guys can all go uh, fiddle around. We're just going to put more comics out. Uh, Matt, you did the math, and let's see what we got here. September, a uh, total of 103 books. So they're like now going with like a market share of over 40%, which is is like ridiculous. Um, you know, way too many tie-ins for War of the Realms, for uh, Absolute Carnage, for whatever the hell's coming in December. Um, is this a good idea? <sighs> Yeah, is that yeah? Is this a good idea? Is this what we want? <laughs> I mean, I I've said it before at, at various conversations. We say that there's event fatigue. We say that people want stories that are self-contained, but the events keep selling. And that's a, for good or ill, kind of, in my opinion, for ill thing. But you can't, you can't argue with the fact that War of the Realms sold. And in all fairness, War of the Realms is the first Marvel event I've read since Secret Wars. I mean, I have not been particularly enamored with Marvel events, but War mm -hmm. of the Realms has at least been fun and did not have at any point heroes fighting heroes, which is a big change for Marvel events. True, there was a rash of that going around for a while. <laughs> I think the tie-ins are what kill... So my shop, I talked to this guy, a very small shop, and it kills him because he has to get all these tie-ins, but he doesn't know if people are going to buy them. Mm -hmm. So you see these things sit on the racks um, because some people just aren't reading them. So he doesn't know what to order because he doesn't know how popular these things are going to be. And the biggest one um, was the X-Men relaunch where they put a book out every week and started with an $8 book. It's like there's it's just too much to know for him to order. Mm -hmm. So it, it really does hurt his business. So I am, I am on the please stop doing events train, um, but Marvel is just flooding the market with all these things. <laughs> we I hear you loud and clear. More events. Yeah, keep giving them to me. That's what I want. Uh, yeah, you know Marvel's just sitting there like you know you love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're Mickey Mouse ears on, just shoving it down my throat. And then, Matt, I saw you wrote this down. They Marvel claims they want Absolute Carnage number one to be the new biggest selling comic of all time? Yes, indeed. And I'm sure it's trolling, but there was something that went up on... New, uh, I saw it on Newsarama earlier today where they just have this you know, image of Absolute Carnage number one taped over and X-Men number one and most units sold and they're offering retailer incentives for absolute carnage number one so for number one mm -hmm. if you exceed your orders it's tied to venom number 16 
So if you order 275% on top of your Venom number 16, you get an additional 15% off the retailer cost, meaning most retailers have a discount of somewhere in the 50 to 55% range. Uh So that means absolute carnage number one, which has got to be a $5 book. I I don't have it in front of me, but I would be shocked if it was not a, at least five, if not $6 book Right, is going to run retailers two and change two ish dollars and so there's no way even with that additional discount you're gonna get this book to be the number one comic of all time at least not without returnability that that's what if if you don't sit if you don't tell me that one of the perks is some level of returnability then my reasoned and logical mature response to that is uh, it's a fart noise i was gonna make one it didn't work anyway yeah. <laughs> no I mean, it's, it's very much trolling because... <laughs> yeah there we go number <laughs> one it, it's not i mean the new 52 which was overly discounted and returnable didn't come near x-men number one number this is Marvel just putting something out there to get a little bit of fan buzz, a little bit of retail enthusiasm to win the month. I feel like this has been Marvel's new troll since they announced Marvel 1000. Like, C.B. Sobolski, this is probably going back like three months now, tweeted out randomly like, I have an idea for a comic that's going to be a million seller. And then it was supposed to be Marvel 1000, I think. And then the reaction to that was shit because, you know, 1% of the creators involved were women. And then I think it was supposed to be this J.J. Abrams' son comic. And then that uh, just got people angry. And, and now, it's, now it's absolute carnage, I guess. <laughs> Isn't Donnie Cates um, the writer who kept saying that Venom was better than Watchmen? No, that was Ryan Stegman, actually. He was the oh, artist on the that artist. book. The artist. Got it. Yeah. yeah but I, I that is a the, brilliant troll. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is kind of like that. It's the, like that, X-Men is the biggest selling of all time. Like, beat them. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's abs- that's up there with uh, Sleepwalker as Sandman done right. <laughs> <laughs> it was just apocryphal, but I still love. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah. It's it is clearly a a, a, a a delightful little trolling thing, but it Marvel really they, oh if they could find a way to catch lightning in a bottle, I mean crazy who wouldn't I mean let's be fair who wouldn't but Marvel seems to go out of its way to sort of needle everyone around them more so than they used to or anybody else we're getting back into a period of not quite as cold war between marvel and dc at least on marvel's end it seems i I think marvel's problem is it doesn't it doesn't really understand how big dick energy works (laughs) (laughs) not so passive aggressive 
comment in I think it was the uh, 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 Avengers free comic book day book this year about the Squadron Supreme as DC that are headquartered out of DC and so now we're calling them DC and it's like you know I used to like some of the things DC did but you know now all they seem to do is be concerned about what we are doing it's like ooh kind of the foot on the, the shoe on the other foot there guys oh, but that is some like silver age bullpen bulletin yuck yuck uh, level humor right there yeah I can't I know it was in an Avengers book I'm pretty sure it was in that the the free comic book day one but it was like wow we are welcome back to the 80s before the the things cooled we got all of those Marvel DC crossovers also for good or ill mm-hmm. I've, I've got the quote I've got the quote we can go on the record Woo. no matter the regime they've always had people there who do great work it's in all of our best interests that they do great work but it's always seemed to me they spend too much time worried about us and annoyed we spend so little worried about them. Yeah, the that's one of those things that the person who spends a lot of time thinking about what the other guy is doing says because they feel like they're not getting enough attention paid to them. Just, just that that's what it feels sounds like to me. But hey. why is no one paying attention to the monolith? oh christ uh, let's go back to like one of the seven things that you brought up dan prime please (laughs) (laughs) i i I can i will never get back the time that i spent uh looking at all of the creator announcements for marvel 1000 Mm -hmm. um that's 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 just a hole that i'm always going to have in my life um, so I, I agree that that was a, a troll and totally misguided. Um, I, I'm really just kind of ambivalent about this J.J. Uh, Abrams slash mini Abrams collaboration. Um, we don't have enough time in this podcast to go into why I, I dislike J.J. Abrams, but uh, ultimately, I mean... That book is probably going to be just fine and something that we don't really have to read or pay attention to, I guess, question mark. That's that's the thing. Like, I'm about as excited for that as I am for that uh, one shot where it's Jerry Conway and Eric Larson uh, doing Spider-Man for the first time in years, which is not at all. So Marvel is doing so many of those hey, look at these, you know, creators of the past coming back to do one more story. And other than the old fogies like me, I don't think anyone cares. And I don't care about three quarters of them. You did like the Peter David Dale Keown Hulk one, though. Yes, I did. And I'm looking forward to the Claremont Sinkevich New Mutants one. Yeah, but, but can we both agree that we're more excited because Sienkiewicz is involved? Oh, hell yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no argument. Yeah. No, if, if this had been Claremont with, you know, Salvador LaRocca, nothing that... Hey, 
I like Sal LaRocca. Do not get me wrong. This was not a slam on LaRocca. His uh, uncanny stuff has not been that great in the current run. No, oh, he I'm ain't just, good. Yeah, I'm just using him as an example of sure, another sure, sure, artist sure, sure, sure. who has worked yeah. with Claremont in the past. I would be like, meh. Like I am with the Wolverine one that's coming out, I think, this week. It's like, oh, it's Claremont writing Wolverine again. Meh. But Claremont and Sienkiewicz on New Mutants? I'm on board for that. But the uh, the Ralph Macchio Spider-Man lizard one, the... Uh, oh, no, That's an I inventory am... story from 1985. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> and I am, I am also lying. There is a third, because I am really looking forward to the Louise Simonson, June Brigman Power Pack one. That one will be a true... That one will be nice. But, yeah, it's, it, it feels like books like that are out there to catch a small wave of nostalgia and to force the books of another publisher further down the rack and out of the line of sight of readers. I mean, my shop sets up their new books. There's a, a bookcase, a, a tiered face out rack, uh, wire rack and then a counter where anything that goes beyond what space there is goes to marvel and dc and image go on those face out uh spaces and then anything beyond those kind of gets filled in there and then it goes onto the wire rack and the i think there's a lot of retailers who sort of put a premium on the their real estate for Marvel and DC. And the more Marvel puts out, the less opportunity there is for anybody else to get any attention. So so third-party publishers are kind of like uh, treated like bagged cereals by, uh, by some retailers? Yes. And I, I mean, and that's, and I'm not faulting the retailer because you've got to give the real estate to the books that are going to sell. sell. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it sucks that, you know, on a good week where I'd love to see some of the boombox titles or some of the Ahoy number ones or something wind up in that sort of premium location. It's like, nope, nope, they're off to the side because Marvel put out 30 War of the Realms tie-ins this week. And... You know, hey, there, and again, not there were a couple of really good War of the Realms tie-ins. Giant Man was great. Journey to Mystery was a ton of fun, but it, it's just kind of like, at what point can we say, okay, this is enough? I don't think there is a point until Marvel finally releases an event that, if an event falls in the woods and no one is there to hear it, does anybody care? So what you're saying is they need Civil War three? Yes. Uh, 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 take that back. Take it back. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Kill the events. Bring it back. <laughs> I regret nothing. I would kill for a year without events. We were supposed to have a year and a half. Remember that? Uh, who, who who said that? Somebody said it. Was it David Axelrod? If it wasn't David Axelrod, it was like CB. It was somebody. They were like, no events for like 18 months. And then they went and did fucking uh, Infinity Wars or, or whatever. They I did. I that one happened. Yeah, it was like right around the time of Secret Empire. 
Yeah, right, because Secret Empire was problematic. Didn't hurt sales too much, but it was th- th- there was enough blowback there. They were like, we're gonna you know focus on the 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 books, and it was like, yeah, that lasted for all of three months. Mm-hmm. And it's not that DC's any better. I'm not you know defending DC's rotating events either, but it's just can't we get a period where we just get to have comics where we get a, a, a single story across these books without the events interrupting them. I mean, granted, events interrupt them less now because miniseries take up those spaces. They don't have as many tie-ins because, hey, we realized why waste the tie-in in a book when we can publish a whole other miniseries out of the deal? But, er comics we just can't have nice things yes <laughs> um one more marvel thing before we move on uh because this this str- i was very curious about this uh matt i, I think you, you posted it on facebook today marvel's getting into the high school musical business yes this uh, i don't think they're musicals i think they are straight one act plays okay for those outside of the the theater business a quote unquote straight play has nothing to do with orientation but has to do with the fact that it is not a musical um, it is probably a term that will be phased out of theater in the not too distant future due to various EDI considerations but nonetheless yeah it's three plays two that are more junior high skewing and one that is very much high school skewing the younger ones are a Squirrel Girl and a Thor and Loki, and the somewhat older one is a Ms. Marvel. They're one acts. It struck me as very interesting. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. I actually am somewhat tempted to order the scripts as not that my theater would ever go anywhere near that. It's not the kind of theater that I work for, but I'm just... I wouldn't even say morbidly curious. I'm honestly curious about what kind of material we'd be getting for the stage. From from what I gathered from looking at the press stuff, people who are theater people, not Marvel people, writing mm-hmm. these. That is kind of fascinating. I, I guess question mark that they just they saw the the internet phenomenon that um, I, I want to say it was those kids in New Jersey oh, right yeah that oh did, yeah <laughs> that did the uh, the alien stage play and uh, and I figured hey let, let's let's give it a shot right we'll we'll maybe make a little licensing change on this and generate some some positive uh, buzz if if any of you know, if these take off. Um, so I, I, more than anything else, I imagine it's a risk-reward calculation for them. Uh, not a lot of risk. It may be a little bit of a reward. I will say I went to uh, the website off the press release that linked to uh, Samuel French, who are the one of the two major licensors of plays, and reading some of the notes that came along with them, uh, especially the one, uh, the Ms. Marvel one, talking about uh, casting and how you should try your best 
to cast both Kamala and her mother, as it seems like the Ms. Marvel play is very much a relationship play between Kamala and her mother as uh, actresses of uh, Pakistani or Southeast Asian uh, background. And that you should attempt, especially if the actress playing Ami does not have the accent naturally to not try to have the actress do the accent and focus on the relationship was an uh, a smart choice i mean especially if you're licensing if you are attempting to license them to non-professional theaters yeah that one's got that one's going to have sensitivity issues uh, all over it yeah, not handled well, that could be dangerous. Yeah, it's going to be like at Halloween when you see white kids in Black Panther costumes and and you just feel a little weird about it. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, let's, get to some, let's get to some fun stuff here. Uh, let's talk about bad creator behavior on Twitter. Ah, great. <laughs> um... Well, you caught some shenanigans from uh, from a creator whose work you actually quite like recently, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Again, we come to me extremely online, man. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so I, I talked with, with Dan Prime uh, on Twitter via, via the DMs about this, uh, kicking around uh, my next column. And uh, I'll, I'll name names here because we can be honest in the podcast format. Um, he's, he's a dude that I love. I got his t-shirt. I think at his very core, he, he's a good boy. Um, but, but Donnie Cates, um, he, he has done, he has, he has had some straight tweets that I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, the first one is from maybe, I don't know, six months or so ago, give or take. And, he he gets this question from one of the one of the trolls online, and the question is something like, uh, "Hey, are you one of those uh, SJWs or, or what?" And I appreciate the voice is, work. Yeah, thanks, thanks. <laughs> uh, community theater. Um, uh, I forget like the precise wording, but it, it definitely had the SJW. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's, that's a red flag. Uh, you have to understand that that is not someone uh, who is dealing with the same reality that most people are. Uh, that's not someone who is looking for an earnest conversation or any kind of discussion. That is just an asshole. Um, and you, you just treat him like an asshole. And, but what Donnie did, and he said, no, I write books for everybody. And, and again, I, I, these aren't verbatim, aside from the SJW, but that was, that was his response. It was like, no, I create books for everybody. And, and, and I will say that uh, somebody, maybe this was somebody else on Twitter, uh, once I kind of put this question out into the ethos, um, somebody did point out that he uh, did just recently say that, uh, that he wasn't going to work with... Uh, uh, Ethan Van uh, Nazi face, uh, <laughs> and, and look, that's good. That's good. You shouldn't work with with you know Ethan Van Nazi face because he's a Nazi and an asshole. Um, 
But then the most recent thing that uh, that old Donnie did that I was like, dude, what are you doing? And this kind of this kind of brings us back to the uh, the uh, the Chelsea Kane stuff. Mm. Um, he he uh, found somebody uh, on Twitter, and, and I, I went to this guy's page. Uh, this this guy with like you know twenty followers or whatever, and, and quote tweeted him and said, "Hey, uh, you know why why did you post this mean thing for me to read? This is not you know this was not good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." So uh, my point, uh, whenever I eventually get to writing this. And, and I think this is something that, that we can discuss and debate. Um, certainly, uh, creators should not expect uh, harassment. Um, they should not expect threats. But at some point, you have to understand that you are a person of prominence and that not everybody is going to like your work. And that's okay. Uh, not everybody's going to like you. And and I think that, especially online, um, people need to sort of understand that. Um, so, yeah, again, I, I'm kicking this around, and I'll eventually uh, commit it to uh, to words. But that, that's been a thought that I've, I've been kicking around lately. That, again, um, you shouldn't have to put up with harassment, but you should have to understand that criticism comes with the job and and also definitely don't take that criticism and then publish it in your comic no you shouldn't do that no the bar's very low guys <laughs> yeah, just don't do those things yeah I, I'm very curious whether Maneaters is ending with issue 12 in September because of all of this like, I don't, I don't recall a defined ending to that, having been, you know, made known previously. Not that I was aware of, no. <sighs> yeah, I mean, the you're, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, the cost of being a public figure is you're a public figure. I mean, ask any actor, any novelist, anyone who has been in the limelight for longer than the past five years, five, however long Twitter has been a major thing. Six or seven at the outside. I think it's like You've a decade, to, actually. Oh, God, hell's bells. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not, you know... <laughs> Ask, ask Neil Gaiman about the number of times he's had to tweet that George R. R. Martin is not your bitch. <laughs> um, or the fact that, you know, you've got to, you've got to accept that I once, a very casual tweet I once made raised the ire of a noted comic book journalist. And I, I was completely shocked. I didn't at him. I didn't mention him by name. Way back when, when every before before Watchmen, when every six months, Bleeding Cool would put something up saying DC's going to be doing Watchmen prequels, and nothing would come of it, and nothing would come of it. it kept happening. I once made a comment about you know, uh, Bleeding Cool. You know, until DC actually announces this. I really just think 
their trolling Bleeding Cool. And I got a very huffy tweet from someone at Bleeding Cool. And it was like, I didn't even ask <laughs> The only you. one person at Bleeding Cool. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they have various writers. Um, but yeah, I, it's rich. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not a <laughs> yeah. Rhymes with Mitch Ronson. Yeah, and I, was, I wasn't was not at him. I was commenting that it seemed like DC was, had kept doing this to him, but he was, I got a deeply offended tweet, and I was like, wait, I didn't even say anything nasty about you. Homeboy is a notorious term searcher. I have seen him pop up in so many threads just to say, no. uh <laughs> Yeah, it was... I couldn't get over it. I was like, I, I felt kind of good, actually. It's like, well, I got someone's attention, even though I didn't intend to, and it was taken completely the wrong way. But hey, I got someone's attention. But that's the kind of yeah, thing you just... Never term search. No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> don't read the comments. <laughs> that's another rule that should be up there with don't read the comments. See, these are all very low bar, general guidelines, easy to follow. <laughs> Oy. But, um. Uh, apparently it's hard, though. And that's the, that's the real uh, damn thing. It's like impossible for some people. And, and we've seen this cycle play out repeatedly. It's like, um, and usually this is, this is the white men, right? Uh, your, your Mark Wades of the world. Um, they they get on Twitter. They show their asses. They delete their accounts. Uh, they wait like six months, and then they come back. Uh, Chelsea you Kane know, will return. <laughs> you know, it's a lesson that these creators need to learn from other media, uh, because they're for I. I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I work in the theater. I have worked at many theaters over the years, and there have been people who have not liked the plays that we do. At one of them over time, I mean, there's a level of detail that I can't go into because it's not my place. But when someone doesn't like a play and makes a big stink about it, there are two types of people who do that. Maybe more, because there are, you know, there's always more than two, but generally speaking, there are two. There are people who want to be heard, and there are people who want to start a conversation. Sometimes there's crossover, but a lot of times there are people who just want to make sure that everyone knows their opinion. And when you're dealing with those kind of people... You know what you got to do? You let them say their piece and then you let it go. Because they don't want to be engaged. They don't want to have their, you know, you to give them an honest opinion. You were Exactly what you were saying, Will, about the, the guy who said SJWs. That guy didn't want a response. He wanted to be able to brag, <laughs> put that guy in his place. That's a definite do not engage situation. Yeah. Yeah. But um let let's wrap up by being by 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 shedding some some positivity here. <laughs> um 
What is one book that you are enjoying the heck out of right now, or one you're looking forward to this coming week? Dan, why don't we go ahead and start with you? Um, it was in the notes earlier, and we didn't get to mention it, so I absolutely put it down in mine. I have <laughs> Teen Titans, which is incredible. I love Teen Titans. It's good for the first time in years. Amen. But, yeah, the team has such great dynamics, um, but the number one book right now is Spider-Man Life Story. Oh, that is so good. Chip Zdarsky writes a good goddamn book. Like, everything he's been on, I have loved to the max. And Spider-Man, like, something I love is seeing an older Spider-Man and being able to see him grow up is even cooler. Um, I just like the progression. I love getting piece after piece of this, this Peter Parker's life story. Um, and if you aren't reading it, you are doing yourself a disservice. Just run out to the store right now. I don't care if they're open. Just keep calling until they <laughs> sell it to you. Or you could get it digital, I guess. And, and and have tissues nearby because, man, for for as depressing as Spider-Man can be sometimes, this really ratchets up the sadness factor uh, as you're watching him age. and. Everything is still happening to him, you know, in terms of Clone Saga and Craven's Last Hunt and all that. Um, you know, not not to be too spoilery about it, but uh, it, yeah, it's so, oh, it's so good. Now, I, now, of course, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, no. We're not going to get as sad as uh, killing Mary Jane with his radioactive seed, are we? <laughs> <laughs> My brother bought that book when we were kids. So it was like, oh, cool, a Spider-Man book. No. <laughs> no. That and Kingdom Come. He got both of them when he was like, oh, something did kill somebody. Never mind. Um, he, yeah, those are not good books for kids. Just no, heads up. not at all. <laughs> it's not pure wholesome fun like Trouble. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Will, how about you? I can't say for sure if it's uh, if it's good or not, but it's at least interesting. And that's uh, Dark Red from Aftershock. Um, I, I can't say that I agree with the central idea, or at least what I think is the central idea of the book so far, is that um, that... The, the, the Trump voters of this country were somehow deceived or tricked or are taken advantage of. But uh, I, I like this idea of this uh, of this heartland, um, you know, red state vampire just trying to kind of live his life. And uh, he's starting to fight with like a country club vampire clan. It's, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Um, but the, I really like the last issue. Uh, because it was uh, it was killing Nazis, um, and I am I am always a fan, whatever the context, whatever it's a video game, it's a movie, a you know a, a book, whatever, uh, where we can kill Nazis, let's kill Nazis, and um, nobody quite shares like the level of you know joy for Nazi killing that I do. Um, so it's, it's an, it's an interesting book exploring some things that again, maybe I don't necessarily agree with, but I'm interested to see how it plays out. Um, it's definitely dealing with the election in a more nuanced and, and clever way than something like, um, 
uh, what is that other Aftershock book? Uh, Walk Through Hell, right? Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. The Ennis book? Yeah. I, 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 I've been reading that, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that there's just something wrong with me. Uh, but at least there's only one more issue uh, left of that. Uh, and speaking speaking of aftershock books, I'm I you know if I'm excited for anything from them, it's definitely that Elliot Ray Hall uh, alien abduction book that's coming out in September. This good midnight be. There we go. Yes, that's the one. Uh, Matt, you're up. Okay, um, you know you'd expect me to do something DC something Batman because I usually do but as I like to do with these I wanted to go with a, a deeper otter cut that people might not be uh, reading um, this week sees the final issue of Bad Luck Chuck out of Dark Horse um, it is a fun little kind of crime supernatural tinged crime story about a woman who's goes by Chuck, she's Charlene, and, uh, well, she was cursed with bad luck. And so instead of, you know, sort of living with this, she weaponizes it and uses it to start a business where if you want, you know, let's say you have a warehouse that isn't making you any money, she will just stand by your warehouse long enough for the bad luck to kick in, the place will burn down. And so she has this sort of bad luck for higher business. And at this point, she's gotten herself it's three of four issues into the miniseries on the bad side of a crime boss, a cult leader. She's got this insurance investigator hunting her. And she has the daughter of the crime boss who she was supposed to bring back to her mom and who she realizes really doesn't want to go back and shouldn't and she has to deal with all of this and it's setting up what I'm hoping the fourth issue to be is a delightfully painful Rube Goldberg device for everyone around her it's fun it's crimey but not you know gory and it's just a ton of fun and it's a four-issue miniseries, in and out, and should be out in trade soon enough if you can't track down the single issues. Awesome. Um, well, to wrap up, I'm going to get on my X-Men bullshit, because that's what I do. Um, so this week sees the final issue of uh, Extremists the by uh, Lee Williams and George Genty from the whole uh, Age of X-Men thing, uh, which, you know, I've really loved and been an evangelist for just the whole line but extremis especially has been just this amazing sort of series of psychological profiles of of the various characters and uh, i think this one is supposed to focus on on jubilee who realizes that she's been made to forget that she has a son and a whole other life and she's just decided to burn everything down and start a riot and uh i'm here for that I just read that fourth issue, and that part with Jubilee was incredible. I'm so excited for this book. It's so good, and it just comes out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, I just need more Leah, like, any books ever. I'll just buy all of them. Yeah. You know, I, I, I... 
kind of wish that this is an aside, but it's an aside I've been meaning to make for a while. Uh-huh. I kind of wished when they were trading, when they were going to be trading Age of X-Man, they traded them with bright gold covers, like the original printings of Age of Apocalypse trades, just so they could go on the shelf with the gold covers next to my gold-covered Age of Apocalypse trades. I, I want this for you. I want this for all of us. <laughs> I want those books to sparkle as they deserve. Damn right. Oh man. Well, well, gentlemen. Uh, as as we're as we're wrapping up, uh, who's got plugs? You know, what do you want to promote? And and how can people follow you online if you in fact wish to be followed? Uh, Dan, why don't we start with you? So I host a DC comics podcast where we're trying to make the comics a little bit more accessible for new readers um, called Super Sons. You can find it everywhere you can download podcasts. We're on Twitter at DC Super Sons and our website is supersonspod.com and you can find me at Dan the McMahon on the Twitter. William? Sir? <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm I'm pretty much just publishing with you now right i don't i can't remember the last non uh, wmq piece that i've done so uh i think you're getting all my shit now uh the good and the bad shit um uh on twitter at will nevin that reminds me how's your brother doing how's bill we're not on speaking terms but it's okay it's all right we're we're we're, we're gonna work through it all right Matt, anything you want to uh, plug, promote, up to and including yourself? Um, well, as Will said, you're getting all my shit right now. Um, I, you know, come back here every week for more WMQ and A. Uh, my Tuesday, my Wednesday bonus readings. Uh, hopefully, in the next this week or next week will be the first of my new monthly this month in Gotham column, a either roundup or focused something on something that happened in bat titles in the past month. Uh, and I have some other plans for some other projects that we aren't quite ready to announce yet, but I'm excited for them. So stay tuned. And I am beginning to slowly creep back onto Twitter uh, because there are now many people who I have spoken to on this podcast and through other podcasts who I enjoy interacting with and Twitter seems the best way. So you can check me out at MattLaz1013. Tread, tread lightly and remember you can craft your Twitter allows you to craft your echo chamber. (laughs) (laughs) There's the way. Yeah. Um, I also am giving myself all my own shit, and so <laughs> you can follow all of that. Uh, actually, next month in July, we're going to be doing uh, a month-long uh, X-Men thing where we're going we're to have a lot of guest contributors talking about their favorite period of X-Men. So uh, super excited for that. I actually started writing my piece today, uh, which I won't spoil just yet, although I've probably already said it somewhere on the Internet. But... Uh, Guys, that's everything. Thank you so much for uh, sitting down and, and, and tackling the weighty issues. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics. 
where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. Big thanks to our first and foremost patron, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust and the MNT. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Uh, finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time. WMQA!